Why does anyone scream? Because they feel that they will not be heard any other way. From alarm to protest, from a hungry baby to a frightened adult, a person's scream is his or her way of getting other people's attention. The trouble is that too often the screams go unnoticed, even by caring people. Sometimes a person's scream is hidden so deep inside that it cannot come out until it is too late. Sometimes the scream engulfs a whole community and turns that community into a violent mob. This past week has been a week of screams. Have you heard them? Most likely, Robin Williams and Michael Brown Jr. had very little in common other than the fact that they both died in the same week and that both their deaths shocked and dismayed many Americans. Both their deaths evoked cries of, Oh, no, not again. Robin Williams, Mork from Mork and Mindy, Mrs. Doubtfire, Professor Keating of the Dead Poets Society, Aladdin, Robin Williams, comedian and famous actor by all accounts, and someone who suffered from debilitating depression and from the onset of Parkinson's disease, someone who took his own life on Monday, August 11th, at age 63, leaving his wife and three young adult children and the rest of us to wonder why. And Michael Brown Jr., an 18-year-old African-American man shot multiple times by a Ferguson, Missouri police officer on Saturday, August 9th. A young, unarmed black man whose death sparked riots in the St. Louis suburb of of Ferguson, some of which continued as late as last night. I don't know if you were like me, but I was watching some of the coverage before I went to bed. Someone whom the world had never heard of, but whose deaths evoked the all-too-familiar scream of his community. It is almost certain that Michael Brown knew who Robin Williams was, and it is equally certain that Robin Williams did not know who Michael Brown was. One man was white and from a world of extraordinary privilege, and the other was black and from a world of no privilege at all rather just its opposite, a world that is kept down by the privilege of other people. And yet the screams of each are just as real. Robin Williams' inner pain was no less real than the pain felt by the black community when another of its young men was killed. And in each case, the pain is not isolated. It does not come from a single incident, for it takes a lot to make people scream. In most cases, it takes feeling not heard for a long, long time. In his column in the Louisville Courier-Journal, columnist Leonard Pitts writes, Details are still too sketchy for us to draw hard conclusions about what happened that afternoon when Michael Brown was killed, but it is all too easy to understand what happened afterwards and why good people should be paying attention. 
Because, again, this killing is not just about Brown. He says it's about Eric Garner choked to death in confrontation with New York City police. It's about Jordan Davis shot to death in Jacksonville, Florida, because he played his music too loud. It's about Trayvon Martin shot to death in Sanford, Florida, because a self-appointed neighborhood guardian judged him to be a thug. It's about Oscar Grant shot by a police officer in an Oakland, California subway station as cell phone cameras watched. It's about Amadou Diallo executed in that vestibule and Abner Luima assaulted with that broomstick. It's about Rodney King. And it's about the bitter sense of siege that lives in African-American men, a sense that it is perpetually open season on us. If you were like me, you were shocked of the, about the events this week. You were shocked to see a militarized police force use riot gear, tear gas, and rubber bullets on protesters, essentially declaring martial law in a suburban community. You were shocked to see this use of force justified because so often black man equals criminal in the American psyche. You were shocked to see how quickly things could calm down when people felt listened to and how quickly they could flare up again when the scapegoating started. You were shocked to realize that a man known for his kindness and his humor could be hurting so badly inside that he would take his own life. You were shocked to remember that there are people living all around you who suffer from debilitating depression and that they too might not have the strength to go on. You were shocked by the screams you heard. You were shocked and so was I. But what, we, what do we do with our shock and our dismay? It is not enough to feel these things and then shrug them off a few days later when the rawness has passed. For we are part of society that has for too long ignored very loud screams, screams for help and screams for a different way of living. Ours is a society that works to keep people apart, whether we like to accept that or not. It works night and day to perpetuate the illusion that everyone has it all together and that bad things happen to other people who live somewhere else. While very different on the surface, the fate of Robin Williams and of Michael Brown are linked by the very self-denial that seeks to tear at the fabric of our society. Anyone who cannot feel deeply for the family of Robin Williams has not known depression, despair, or addiction, him or herself. And anyone who cannot feel deeply for the family of Michael Brown has not known poverty, oppression, exclusion, or criminalization. The truth is that we are all Robin Williams' family. And the truth is we are all Michael Brown's family, too. We have all been hurt by depression, despair, and addiction. We have all been silenced by poverty, oppression, exclusion, and criminalization. To think other words otherwise would be to perpetuate the myth that we are individuals who are immune to the suffering of others. 
as a nation this week. We've been given yet another opportunity to reflect on how we will be with one another. Will we exclude many for the greed of the few? Will we erect walls, visible and invisible, to keep the people that we don't like away from us? Will we stigmatize mental illness to the point that a person's shame is too great to go on living? Or shall we begin again, this time in earnest, to turn the volume down on our nation's rhetoric? Shall we begin again in earnest to make our nation a place of greater equality and of compassion? The only answer religious people like you and me really have to say is, yes, of course, again, yes. Yes, I will try again. Yes, I will hear the screams. Yes, I will do what I can. A song sung by the group Sweet Honey in the Rock declares, We who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes, until the killing of black men, black mothers, sons, is as important as the killing of white men, white mothers, sons. We who believe in freedom cannot rest. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. And the most remarkable thing about this song is that the we they sing about is us, you and me. The we is not the five African-American women alone who make up the singing group. It is The we is not even the African-American community alone. The we that Sweet Honey and the Rock sing of has to include you and it has to include me. It has to include white people in solidarity with black and brown people. It has to include economically comfortable people with the poor. It has to include Republicans and Democrats, Methodists and Catholics, Jews and Muslims and Unitarian Universalists. We who believe in freedom cannot rest until it comes. The we is you and me. We cannot rest. In the weeks that follow this one, there will be endless news reports, columns and talk show conversations about the deaths of Robin Williams and Michael Brown. This endless chatter will fill hundreds of hours of television and radio airtime. That is until the public tires of these stories and the news media moves on to other tragedies. But I want us to resist the urge, to resist the urge to move on so quickly ourselves. I want us to do the harder thing, which is to sit with these two tragic deaths and not give in to the urge to come to easy conclusions. Yes, Robin Williams suffered for many years with drug and alcohol addictions. Rather than using this knowledge to write off his death, what if we could see how drugs and alcohol tear at the families in our own towns and in our own church? Yes, Michael Brown may not have been as law-abiding as some 18-year-olds, But rather than using this knowledge to write off his death, what if we could see how the youth in our own towns and in our own church get into trouble with the law on occasion, but never have to fear 
for their lives. If we allow ourselves to rationalize away the deaths of these two men, we will have strayed from the spiritual path that tells us in no uncertain terms that all things are connected and that all things will be redeemed. The universalism that our religious ancestors held so dear was a life and death matter to them, and it should be no less for us as well. Universalism means that no one, simply no one, is beyond redemption. No life is wasted. No effort for the good goes unnoticed. No act of kindness happens unacknowledged. We are the spiritual heirs, you and me, of this radical universalism. We are its hands and its feet and its mouth in this present age. Concord, Massachusetts is a long way from Ferguson, Missouri, but it is not a long way from Dorchester. It is not a long way from Revere and East Boston. It is not a long way from Lowell. Robin Williams could easily have lived in Concord. Michael Brown could easily have lived in Dorchester, and their deaths could have just as easily happened either place. 19th century coal mine activist Mother Jones famously said, Pray for the dead and fight like hell for the living. And that is what we must do. We must pray for the dead, pray for Robin Williams and his family, pray for Michael Brown and his family, and then we must fight like hell for the living. We must fight for a world where people who need drug and alcohol treatment get it. Fight for a world where depression is recognized for the killer that it is. Fight for a world where young black men are not automatically criminal suspects. Fight for a world where the same young black men can imagine a future for themselves, a future that does not include drugs and gangs and jail. Fight for a world that tears down walls that separate people. Fight for a world where the living have life and have it more abundantly. In his most famous role, as Professor Keating in the Dead Poets Society, Robin Williams will be remembered for leaping onto a desk and shouting at his English class of teenage boys, We don't write and read poetry because it's cute. We read and write poetry because we are members of the human race, and the human race is filled with passion. And medicine, law, business, engineering, these are noble pursuits and necessary to sustain life. But poetry, beauty, romance, love, these are what we stay alive for. I want to live in a society that stays alive for poetry, beauty, romance, and love. How about you? So be it. Amen.